I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There is no better group of pots of flower power forms of the shrubby Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook, here to help with some of your gardening quandaries. Local family-run garden centres really are the lifeblood of the gardening industry. Today, I'm joined by the owner of the award-winning Fresh at Burcott in Worcestershire. It's Neil Gow. My thanks to Sutton Seeds of Torquay, sponsors of this podcast. Two sharp frosts for me uh, earlier this week cleared the decks uh, and uh, we did advise you to get a few tender things under cover last week so uh, I hope you took the advice and didn't lose anything that you need to keep I've got uh, a few pelagoniums uh, under cover now and and still taking cuttings from them of course and I've started to dig now that's a bit earlier than usual I usually wait until all the leaves are down but I'm afraid one or two jobs just didn't get done. Garden wasn't looking as tidy as I would like it to look uh, and the temptation was too great. So I've started on the veg plot, cut one edge clean, uh, dug a piece of soil out to get an open trench and away we go. Boy, I do like digging. That gives you an appetite and helps you to sleep. Uh, And if the weather stays much as it is, in a month or two's time I should have quite a good bit of land dug ready to uh, sow and plant next year. Gardener's work is never done. Our trade keeps changing. I mean, the news this week is that Westland Horticulture have bought Gardman. I mean, Gardman uh, have a really big inventory of all manner of products, from garden canes right through to wild bird food. Uh, This makes Westland a major supplier to... uh, gardening retailers they must have i don't know 80 or 90 percent of the wild bird food market in terms of garden retailer sales for a relatively young company they've built a remarkably large and successful business in a very few years just shows what can be done with a bit of energy and get up and go Uh, and edward conroy certainly has that there's news too that uh, On two fronts, there are changes in terms of uh, new plants and plant breeding. Kevin Hobbs, who's been at Hilliers for, I think, 16 or 17 years, is uh, leaving. Uh, So uh, there'll be some change there in terms of new plant breeding. And Charles Vallon, too, at Thompson & Morgan, he's on the move. He is a really remarkable plant breeder. It's a fellow who uh, gave us the sunflower, Sun believable, and a whole range of uh, things scented begonias, dwarf and compact buddleias. I'm sure Charles's paintbrush will keep working somewhere, uh, and it'll be interesting to see what develops with those two characters. 
in terms of advice, if you happen to grow one of those home mushroom kits, when you get to dispose of the spent compost, just try mixing it into a perennial flower border. I did that several years ago. And each autumn, for the last two or three years, I've picked fresh mushrooms from the area. Good watering, after a long dry spell in the summer, seems to trigger the fruiting. And you know, it's quite nice to go out and pick a fresh mushroom and then fry it for breakfast, which is exactly what I did last Sunday. I must get some more water on that little patch and see if I can sponsor a few more mushrooms. The grass, too. It's unbelievably green. Actually, a fella came to uh, give me a lift and he said, I've never seen a lawn as green as yours. Well, that was a bit of a lift to my ego, wasn't it? Although it's not thanks to me, it's thanks to uh, Green Thumb who come and apply the fertilisers and the weed treatments at just the right time. But it does make a difference. Whether the autumn dressing had a little bit of iron in it to uh, burn the moss and green up the grass, I'm not sure. I must check. But there's no question, an autumn feed certainly greens the lawn. And over the next week or so, really needs scarifying. There's quite a lot of dead grass. When I walk across the turf, it's got quite a spring to it. So if I've got the nerve, I'll have to get uh, the green thumb people back with their heavy machine and give that lawn a really good raking, pull out the dead grass and scatter in a little new fresh grass seed to get things growing again. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Now, my uh, guest today for interview is Neil Gow. Now, we've known one another for quite a long time. And and the first time, I think, was at the NEC in Birmingham when uh, his daughter came to uh, an event we had there. But, Neil, you now uh, run your own garden centre with Nicky, fresh at Burcott. Is that correct? That's right, Peter, yes. And we've been running it now for nearly 11 years. Goodness. Well, how did you start out? Uh, You know, you have uh, some Scottish connections, don't you? Well, I do, yes. Um, Born and and brought up as a a Scot. Um, My father was a a miner in the Scottish coal mines underground. And uh, although we lived in uh, in Kinross, um, which is part of the Fife or near the Fife coal fields where he actually um went down uh, underground each day uh it, we, he actually spent most of his working life under the streets of edinburgh goodness did which you was did one you one of his claims to fame <laughs> yeah. did you ever go down with him 
I never went down the coal mine, but I have been down uh, a tin mine actually in Cornwall, which I gather is a very sort of similar experience, although a lot less dusty than a coal mine. Yeah. But um, my father's interest in gardening came from the fact that he uh, spent 12-hour shifts working underground in the dark, in the damp, in the uh, in the dust. And uh, he always regarded gardening as his lung, he used to refer to it as, to his opportunity to breathe fresh air when he came above ground and um you know, on these on these days off and things, uh, he could garden, and I think that in part is where my interest in gardening probably came from. There were a lot of new houses being built in the village that I lived in at that time, uh, mid seventies. For um, you know, uh, not terribly clever uh, young lad, there wasn't a huge amount of opportunity, and I started doing people's gardens and things, um, and uh, you know all these new gardens with a sea of mud and paving slabs, and that was about all. And I thought, well, if I actually knew what I was doing with this landscaping lark, I might actually be able to earn a living. Right. And um, uh, that was really what sort of started me out on horticulture, and I'd, I'd been a little bit of a a drop out at school because uh, I, uh, well, I knew one end of the spade from the other. That was about it, really. And uh, I know how far your spade has got you. Um, yeah. So um, I like to think along the same lines, really. And um, I took myself off to college um, to learn a bit about horticulture and went to Ochenkruve and met somebody called Frank Hardy. Well, now, we had Frank on just a, a week or two ago. What a character he is, eh? He certainly is. Yeah. He, he, he was then. Um, <laughs> a fish out of water and uh, a man from Essex in, uh, in the west coast of Scotland, but we tamed him a little bit. <laughs> Not the tidiest of characters. You know, jack, jacket here. Waste goes somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> Shoelace is always undone. Yeah, yes, but a, but a great teacher and a mentor to young people. Absolutely, know, he, he was a real inspiration to uh, not not just to me, but quite a lot of the lads on the course. I mean, you know, we've got quite a lot of girls on the course as well, but quite a lot of us were, um, uh, you know, not not the not the most academic, let's say. Yeah. And Frank, with his practical skills and things, I learned a huge amount from him. And uh, I did listen to a little bit of the uh, the broadcast that you did with with Frank. And uh, you know, he admitted to it as well that as as young people, you don't always pay attention or necessarily appreciate what you're learning, what you're being taught. But by heck, you uh, you certainly appreciate it later on in life. And Frank certainly comes into that category, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Now, as part of your work experience, you went down to the Royal Gardens at Windsor. I, I mean, did. That, I mean, that must have been an unbelievable experience. Yes, it was. And again, sadly, you know, at the time, you don't necessarily always appreciate, you know, where you are and what you're learning and so on. But, uh, you know, I was down there uh, at the back end of the um, the Silver Jubilee celebrations and I worked in the uh, in the home park. Uh, the the private um, aspect of of Windsor Great Park, um, and obviously you've got the Savile Gardens and the Valley Gardens there, which uh, I'm sure many of your uh, pe- people and readers and listeners will know about. But the home park um, around the Windsor Castle there uh, was uh, was quite an experience with the huge wall garden that we had there that was producing fruit and veg and flowers. Um, 
much to my father's disgust, yes, I was growing <laughs> flowers, um, which were used in uh, in the palaces uh, every day. The lorry went from Windsor uh, up to Buckingham Palace uh, and to Kensington uh, Palace with produce from the gardens um, uh, to be uh, to be used in displays for. Uh, you know, we, and, and we grew some oversized pot plants, I used to call them fuchsias and uh, helichrysum uh, with the silver foliage was particularly popular that year with it being the silver jubilee. Oh, right. We used yeah. to grow those up eight foot canes uh, in, I can't remember now, they were probably sort of 15 or even 24 inch wide pots. Um, we used to take those up to decorate the palace. Uh, for the various receptions and things that were going on for Commonwealth dignitaries and so on. So it was, yes, it was a tremendous experience. How many? Uh, not necessarily always appreciated at the time. <laughs> but but, but now, how many gardeners then would you have been working with in the home park? I think in the home park, probably there were about 30 of us, I think, because right. uh, we had a commercial mushroom farm there as well, which was utilising the waste product from the uh, from the polo stables and uh, from the horse guards stables and things like that around uh, around Windsor we used to go and gather up the muck from there and bring it back and compost it and we were producing you know best part of a lorry load of mushrooms were picked every day those used to go into the markets in London uh, as well amazing so uh, yeah, there were a lot less gardeners by the time I was there than there had been in the in the gardens' heydays. But then we had more machinery and equipment. That's right. And and so then, where from Ockingcrew? From Ockingcrew, um, I joined a little company. Um, you know, this was sort of getting towards the end of the seventies when in Scotland, uh, you the the uh, the coal mining was in decline then, and the thing that was booming was the oil fields and the oil rigs. Um, so you worked on the oil rigs or basically you were redundant. Uh, <laughs> so um, a little company called Dodge City came along to the college and uh, did a presentation to us about joining uh, them. They were looking for horticulturalists to join them. And I thought, well, you know, it's got to be worth going and listening. Uh, if I remember rightly, there might even have been a free beer involved if you went along and listened. So, you know, of course, I was there. Um, and I signed up to join that company, which I did uh, at the end of my course. And that company today is called B&Q, which you might have heard of. Yeah, uh, I think most people have heard of. But but, <laughs> but but again, you know, Dodge City grew very quickly, didn't it? I mean, that it must did. have been good retail experience for you. It, it was huge retail experience. And I always say I learned horticulture at college uh, and I learned retailing at B&Q. Um, and uh, you know, learned a lot of, about running a business and 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 retailing and uh, and so on. And I had a couple of years with Dodge City Stroke B and Q. Um, and in that time, we grew from I think there were about six um, B and Q stores, as such as they were then, uh, with garden centres attached. And I think by the time I left, uh, they were getting on for a hundred, and that was in the space of two years. So it had grown extremely rapidly, um, and I'd worked in South Wales with them. I worked in the Midlands, and then I'll, finally I was back in Scotland, covering Scotland, which actually started at Stoke-on-Trent and went to Aberdeen. Uh, that was the area that I was working in. It was tremendous fun. It was very hard work. 
uh, we would go on site um, on a Friday morning uh, to um, on a Monday morning rather to start uh, merchandising an empty shell of a building. And on Friday morning at about half past ten, we would open it to the public. Goodness. Uh, having filled it with stock uh, and displays and things. Um, and it was tr- tremendous fun, great team spirit, and uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of fun. Well, then, where does uh, um, your wife Nikki and Fresh at Burcott come into all of this thing? Because that must have been an enormous jump. Uh, yes, well, Nick, Nikki was born and brought up in the nursery industry, unlike myself. So you know, she was uh, she was budding roses and uh, and grafting fruit trees and things before. Uh, um, a, a lot of people her age could almost walk, I should think. Uh, so that was that was her introduction to horticulture. We we met we when we once we'd finished college. Uh, she went to a funny little college in Essex called Rittle. Steady now, um, steady now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, she'd uh, she'd done a, a, a diploma in horticulture there, similar to the one that I had done uh, at Ockham Crewe. Um, and we both wound up working for a family business based in Hereford called Wyvale, uh, which at that time had a very big nursery um, and a few a handful of garden centres. And we both wound up working for there. And, um, uh, you know, it wasn't only business that flourished, our relationship flourished as well. And eventually, for some reason, she agreed to marry me. Um, well, I think uh, you've got the best part of that deal. I, I certainly think I did. And th- 35 years later, she still puts up with me most days. <laughs> um, but, um, uh, you know, we have the, the joy of working together, uh, running a business together. And, uh, yeah, we've had uh, have a huge amount of fun mostly doing it. It's not all fun, but mostly it is. And it can be as much fun as you make it, really. Can't be many garden centres that are in the hands of two fully trained and experienced horticulturists. Absolutely. Um, And, uh, you know, it's one of the things that we say and update fairly regularly on our uh, on our website. I'm not sure what the what the figure is at the minute. But, um, you know, we uh, at one stage reckon that between us and the other members of the team that we've got here, bearing in mind we are a small garden centre, uh, that we've got over 300 years of horticulture and gardening experience between us, which I suspect there's not many businesses can say that, uh, even if they've got 30, 40, 50 staff. Um, you know, we've got 20, and that includes all the staff in the cafe. Uh, so we've got quite a lot of horticulture and gardening experience between us. And we've got a whole generation, I think, of homeowners who know very little about gardening for the most part. And boy, you know, they need help and advice. Absolutely. And uh, yes, that there's that generation there who I don't think it's just gardening. They don't necessarily uh, understand it's It's the seasons. It's the environment. I look at the younger generation. My, my kids are, well, they're both into their 20s now. They at least understand the issues to do with the environment but i think there's a generation above them that you know are probably not even terribly aware of the environment which i think is terribly sad it's no slight on them whatsoever it's it's the way we were bringing them up and being brought up 
you know, 20, 30 years ago, where I think we all thought we were perhaps invincible and, uh, you know, the world would never run out of fresh air or whatever. Whereas the next generation coming along, I think, are more understanding and appreciative of it. Yes, you know, I'm not saying they necessarily know about gardening, but at least they're they're in with a start because they understand the importance of having plants around us, even if they don't necessarily know how to grow them or what to plant. Thank you very much for today, Neil. It's great to speak to you. Look forward to seeing you soon. That's a pleasure, Peter. Thank you very much indeed, and nice to speak to you again too. Today, uh, I'll be uh, in Chichester. It's the Grow Show South, and it's the heart of the glasshouse industry. Some really big units down there, growing peppers and herbs, uh, lilies, all kinds of uh, pot crops, and container stock. It'll be just a place to uh, hear how crops of poinsettia are looking for Christmas. Uh, I'm pretty optimistic that they'll be looking really first class. The one thing that uh, Christmas flowering crops need is sunshine in October, and we had plenty of sunshine. So the poinsettia crops should be looking fantastic. Thought for the day comes from a German, Christa Wolf. The most beautiful thing under the sun is being under the sun, and I couldn't agree with him more. If you get a lovely blue sky day and you get on high ground and look out at this time of the year at the countryside, it really is absolutely magnificent. I always think the first week in November, when the oaks start to turn, is the best time to go out and see the autumn colour. Kick leaves and uh, really smell that damp, autumn atmosphere great to be under the sun thanks again to Sutton Seeds of Torquay sponsors of this podcast and thanks to you for listening enjoy your garden we'll be back next Thursday discover more at sungardening.co.uk catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started 